Well met, dreamer, and welcome to Nocturne, the umbral planet of twilight tales and slumberant songs. Yuki never enjoyed waiting, least of all in the chill and snow-flecked air of a cold nocturne night with a weighty backpack filled with unused equipment. She walked in circles to keep herself warm, rubbing her hands together as she thought. When those thoughts were unhelpful, she looked around the minster courtyard for distractions. A little something to take her mind away from what happened with Nevin. She liked coming here, at least. The houses in the lavender district were made of a soft purple stone and framed with dark oak. It was calming, much more so than the harsh white walls of her own alabaster district houses. She then looked upon the song lamps in the courtyard. They were most familiar to her after rekindling many of them last night. Much of the light she had sung into existence had dimmed. She'd never had the strongest song light, but had hoped that they would last more than a day. Others seemed to have faded even faster. There was a song lamp next to a tavern she swore that she had replenished the evening before, but it shone an unfamiliar, brilliant white light that highlighted the wall's bumps and imperfections with tiny shadows. Her gaze then moved to the network of tiny waterways embedded into the cobblestones. They had frozen in the cold, halting their feed of water towards the lake at the center of the midnight city. Looking closer, Small sliding feet had marked these icy streams. She wondered whether they were remnants of a fun game or a tumble to the ground. She then turned to see Felix and Courgette. They were playing fetch with a stick they had found in the square, but they reminded her of why they were stuck outside in the first place. A movie reel of fumbles circled in her head. They had talked too much in that solemn place of worship. She'd moved too fast and knocked clumsily into Felix. 
all the commotion caused Courgette to panic and bark in the middle of a lunar hymnal that they were desperate to study. Felix and she had reviewed each mistake they had made as soon as they were ushered out of the minster. The problem was simple, as were the causes. The solutions seemed simple too, but accepting it had happened and then moving on was the complex part. Many methods of mitigating their past mistakes presented themselves to Yuki, but despite the best efforts of her mind, knowing how it could have been better never changed what had happened. They needed to talk to Nevin, straighten things out together, and then get back to researching songlights once again. She checked the windows of the minster to intuit how long she might need to wait. Celeste-colored sparkles floated and flowed within. They moved in time with the muffled version of the hymnal that was audible from outside, taunting Yuki's curiosity. She could feel herself shivering and realized that she had stopped moving while lost in thought. Gathering the energy to move, a stick tumbled towards her feet, followed by the energetic scrabblings of Courgette. The good, fluffy boy reached her, plucked the twig nimbly from the ground, and then raised it as high as his little neck could. Yuki accepted the stick from Courgette. The corgi then waited for Yuki to do the only thing one can do after being gifted a stick by a delightful furball. She looked for the best place to throw the stick and tossed it directly into Felix's hands. Courgette chased, but after calculating the trajectory, he stopped halfway between them both. Then he huffily sat his fluffy butt in the snow, waiting for a more appealing throw. Felix threw the stick back to Yuki, but Courgette didn't move for such games. Yuki obliged the pup and tossed it to him, who caught it and paraded the stick around in little circles of victory. Looking up, Yuki spotted there were no sparkling song lights behind the stained glass windows of the minster. There was no song either. Never must have stopped singing. A child-sized cup of adrenaline swept through her in anticipation of Nevin and their chance at forgiveness. She motioned to Felix, who collected Courgette in his arms and rushed over to Yuki. They waited in silence, expecting a Nevin to appear any second now. An impatient Courgette wriggled and fidgeted until Felix placed him on solid ground. Yuki was about to start pacing again when the door to the minster let out a heavy metallic clunk. The portillo within the minster's large entrance door creaked open. Nevin stepped through, now wearing a thick coat, and greeted the two of them with an apprehensive quietness. Yuki knew she was over-eager to talk to Nevin and tried to calm that part of her down as best she could. Nevin, we're... We're really sorry about what happened in there. It was rude and should never have happened. Nevin seemed taken aback by her intensity after the solemnity of a solo hymnal. Uh, it, it's, it's fine. I've calmed down too. I, I was overexcited to have people at the hymnal again. And this wasn't what I expected. 
Despite her preparations, Yuki debated the best way forward. She did not want to bias Nevin by letting him know about their research, but it did not seem fair to keep him in the dark either. Nevin made the decision much more urgent for her. He asked about her large backpack. What was in it? What was it for? It seemed a most curious thing to Nevin. He explained that one needed little but their presence to appreciate the hymnal. Even so, whatever was in that backpack seemed important to the both of them. Yuki deliberated again over how much to tell him and decided a full truth was easier to work with than a lopsided one. She brought him into the fold after a thought-filled pause. This, dear Nevin, is a trapper. It traps songs and other sounds so that we may study them later. The device seemed offensive to Nevin, as if it had no place in the minster. Uh, and you brought something like that here? His defensiveness shook Yuki's confidence that she was doing the right thing. She sighed to herself before she persisted. Something special is happening here. When you sing, song lights appear of a form I've never experienced in my many years of research. Nevin's face possessed the open-mouthed gawp of one who needed a moment to think. She gave him a moment before continuing. I, I wanted to know more, but it's best not to let a subject. Felix flinched at this wording and prompted a correction. Uh, sorry, a person, no. They are being studied. It changes how their songlight presents itself. Nevin didn't respond, but looked down in thought. His silence ate away at Yuki who wanted to apologize and move on. She recognized this thought and knew it to be far too impatient. She needed to apologize, yes, but she needed to understand Nevin if they were really going to move on. What we did wasn't fair to you, Nevin. We should have told you what we were doing straight away. She paused for a reaction that never came from Nevin, then asked, what can we do to make this better, Nevin? Nevin took his time to respond, but his heaviness seemed alleviated by Yuki's words. You wanted to study me without me knowing. Yuki nodded and her cheeks blushed a celestine blue. It sounded pretty mean when he phrased it so plainly. Nevin continued. I appreciated your help so much yesterday. So it feels odd to be treated like this today, Yuki. And you ruined a hymnal trying to keep this a secret from me. Nevin stopped to think and Yuki's guilt grew larger. She'd hoped this would be done quickly, but Nevin had had much less time to consider all these things that she'd been considering all evening. Yet, it feels much better to be treated like an equal again. Nevin smiled as he said this, 
and looked at Yuki for the first time in the conversation. Tell me what's happening, Yuki, and I'll see if I can help. for the opportunity, Yuki promised she would tell him everything, starting right from the beginning. She said it would take some time, so Nevin brought Felix, Courgette, and her back into the minster. He prepared mint tea for them all, including a doggy bowl of cooled tea for Courgette to lap at. They all sat down in the front row of pews, except for Yuki, who stood in front of them all. Backlit by the moonlight pool, she began by asking Nevin what he understood about songlight. He knew the basics. Nevin had experienced plenty of songlight in his musical training as a priest. He knew that songlight appears in response to a voice, that it presents in many forms, different colors, different sizes, and different shapes. He even said he thought these things had some relation to who, how, and what one sang, although he wasn't sure how this worked, only that it felt intuitive for it to work that way. Yuki nodded. This was all correct. Simplified, but correct. She asked what he knew of his own songlight. Nevin said that he could kindle the song lamps in his own home when needed, and that he generates a soft white light. His peers at school often asked him to light their reading lamps, so pleasurable was his hue. Yuki asked what Nevin saw when he sang the hymnal, but his answer surprised her. He had never seen anything while he was singing the hymnal. Priests are trained to close their eyes and focus on their connection to the moons whilst performing the hymnal. He had seen other priests produce songlight while singing the hymnal. It looked pretty standard to him, so he'd assumed his was the same too. Yuki could barely believe him. She checked again to make sure he'd never seen his hymnal songlight, and Nevin confirmed. Contorting her mouth in nonchalant surprise, she corrected Nevin's assumption. Nevin, the songlight from your hymnal, it's... it's fascinating. Nevin perked up at this comment. Yuki explained that his hymnal produces pinpricked-sized diamonds with a celestine hue, that they fade into existence, that the flow rises and falls, quickens and lags in response to his cadences. 
that this response was enhanced when she sang with him. And lastly, his songlight moved with direction and purpose that defied the airflows in the minster. When she finished, Nevin appeared lost for words. Felix put his arm around Nevin's shoulder whilst Courgette, now finished with his bowl of tea, sat on his toes. He wasn't speaking, but for the first time that night, Nevin looked happy. There was one final aspect that Nevin needed to understand. Why was this all so special? You were correct in saying that the color, form, and size of a particular songlight manifestation was dependent on who, how, and what was being sung. But for songlight to have a precise and consistent form, color uniformity, to fill an entire minster, and to move with purpose, it's extraordinary, Nevin. Not even Balthazar and his mallard ballad could do this. Nevin looped between a look of giddy joy, embarrassment at feeling such joy, and a sort of feigned humbleness designed to keep his emotions in check. Seeing this, Yuki walked over to Nevin and tried to focus his attention. This, this isn't nothing, Nevin. It's really something. Yuki paused, considering exactly how she felt before continuing. Watching you sing the hymnal is the most important research I can think of right now. Her words seemed to calm Nevin as he accepted their earnestness. With that acceptance came an easiness to Nevin that uncorked a stream of questions. He asked if Nocturnians needed to know more about songlight when song lamps work so well already. It was odd that they could be produced when Yuki still has cause to study the basics of songlight. Yuki considered this question with a thoughtful hand placed under her chin. When she responded, she did so with the delicate gravitas of one who was crystal clear in their motivations. One can dip a quill in ink and write, but how this works doesn't matter to the writer. To those who make the quill, knowing how it works gives them control. Knowing why ink flows from the nib leads to knowing how to control how much ink ends up on the page. I made the song lamp with only a rudimentary understanding of songlight. I must understand it further before I can do any more. Yuki watched Nevin consider her words when she realized she had omitted a motivation of great importance. Uh, and Nevin? Y yes? Sometimes it's just beautiful to behold. As the evening wore on, the three of them talked excitedly about songlight, both Nevins and others. Felix sang a short song about the seasons within their seasons to Nevin. Felix's golden songlight weaved itself into reams of radiant whipping cloth. He told Nevin about the patterns he used to make with his sister in the taverns across the Midnight City. They then talked about the minster 
how Felix was awed by the huge, endless reverberations the minster supported a performer with. He couldn't wait to hear a hymnal without distractions when the time came. Yuki shared stories of her early years studying songlines, of her juvenile research with the bards around the city and how they helped her join the Society Royal, how they later helped her fund the founding of the University Celestial, how common it was for bards to play virtuosically but produce little songlight, and how even non-musicians could produce fantastical colours. When Nevin asked why this was so, Yuki admitted that she had no clear answers for him yet. The admission gave Yuki pause to think. If there was someone that might have known, it was that slippery old man, Balthazar. This line of thinking gave her cause to speak of him to Nevin and Felix, about that fateful night at the bar listening to Balthazar. He was the only one she'd seen who could wield both song and songlight as easily as most could walk and eat at the same time. She had searched for years to find him. She'd come close a few times, but never close enough to study his songlight. She admitted losing him was one of her greatest regrets, and she lost him before even knowing she needed him. Balthazar must be long gone now. He had seemed impossibly old when she was a teenager, and many years had passed since then. She looked up at Nevin and said, I don't want to miss an opportunity like that ever again. This carefree and joyful version of Nevin turned serious at her words. Yuki worried she'd said something weird or hurtful, but couldn't think what it would be. She'd been true and honest this evening, as far as she could tell. She'd hoped Nevin could feel or understand her good intent. Unspoken words danced on Nevin's lips before he finally spoke. This is all very lovely, but what if I can't make the song lights you're expecting? What if it was just a, a one-time thing? Yuki saw Felix look towards her with suspicion. Delays could be hard for Yuki, but she'd just have to get better at it. We will be patient, assured Yuki. She felt her response came too hastily to her, prompting her to caveat her likely future failings. Not to say things won't be hard from time to time, but we'll be gentle about it, I promise. Nevin's face lightened upon hearing this. Then I will try to. He smiled in a way that reminded Yuki of their first night together. The smile of one who felt understood. She mirrored him, happy to be the one to calm him once again. Thank you, Nevin. The trio sat in silence, sipping their cold teas. It felt as if a secret pact had been agreed upon. A pact formed not by sacred vows or ancient magic, but from the generous concern of those who have understood one another and trusted in return. There are expectations, yes, but compassion in equal measure. 
There was no pressure to perform or punishments to be meted out. Only the will to help one another as long as one could reasonably accommodate them. Yuki didn't trust Nevin would see this through to the end, no matter what. But she did trust him to do his best, and that was more than enough. The three of them refilled their teacups with warmer waters from the teapot and moved on to discussing the investigation of Nevin's songlight. They singled out all the elements of it that appealed to them, how they might isolate and understand them. Nevin and Felix yawned heavier and heavier with each idea that Yuki proposed. Courgette had already fallen asleep in Felix's lap and drooled onto his shoe. This tiredness spread to Yuki herself, who agreed they needed to stop for the night with a yawn of her own. Clutching the teapot and cups, they all shuffled to the kitchenette hidden at the rear of the minster to wash the items together. A staggering courgette followed behind them with his balm. He errantly bumped into pillars and walls, chiming a thin clang from his balm that reminded Yuki of a miniature church bell. When they washed their items in the sink, they agreed on their final plans. Yuki and Felix would arrive early tomorrow to begin their work and inform Nevin of their study plan for the day. And, more importantly, they would make sure they stop for tea afterwards.
Nevin closed the portillo behind him, leaving Yuki, Felix, and himself in the cold outdoors outside the minster. More snow had settled on the cobblestones whilst they were inside. It smoothed the undulations of the stones and uplit the courtyard with moonlight. The three admired the scene before them, before fatigue pushed their heads down, reminding them that they needed to sleep. Nevin wished them a fond farewell and trudged carefully over the snow back home. His walk was a short one, whereas Yuki and Felix had a much longer journey east to the Alabaster District. They fetched their bikes from outside the Minster, but decided that snow and exhaustion were a bad combination for cycling. Instead, they walked their bikes beside them towards the Alabaster District. Once Courgette had settled down for a nap in the basket of Felix's bike, Felix felt the need and the opportunity to gossip. He's sweet. I can see why he's a priest and not a bard, though. Yuki raised an eyebrow at this, and Felix explained. Too soft. A gentle heckle would cause him to crumble. True as this might have been, Yuki felt too warmly towards Nevin to accept this kind of comment. You don't have to be a bard to be special. Nevin proves that all on his own. Is he more interesting than a Balthazar, though? Yuki stuttered at the question. She wanted to say yes, but Balthazar was a legend. Maybe, but he's more interesting than most other bards, for sure. This felt true to Yuki. Nevin didn't even know he was doing something amazing. For years now, all on his own. They walked without talking, giving Yuki time to ponder why she was so interested in Nevin. Of everything she'd seen, the oddest was his complete lack of intention for his songlight. Balthazar's animal forms and the twins' ribbons had intentions guiding their form. They existed in those forms because they had worked for years to make them look that way. Intention was a poor word for it since they were not thinking about ducks and then making duck-shaped lights. Instead, they had spontaneously made those forms in the past then held on to how making that form felt and then trained themselves to repeat that form over and over. At least, that's how Felix had explained his ribbon songlight to her. In contrast, Nevin's songlight exists as a giant sea of tiny floating diamonds for no discernible reason whatsoever. Was it most natural? What did that even mean anyway? It wasn't even the most Nevinish form of songlight. He'd said his normal songlight was a reading light. She'd seen many Nocturnians of no particular skill produce interesting songlights before, but they were always one-offs. Nevin seemed to do this every day. Yuki felt an interrupting prod on her shoulder. Hey, you there, Yuki? asked Felix. 
It appeared Felix had been competing for her attention and was losing up till now. Yuki collected herself and remembered the original question. No, he's... he's not better than Balthazar. That he is worse, yet emits a songlight so great is what's intriguing about him. They walked further, both of them either deep in thought or too tired to think. They were halfway home when Felix remembered that his sister's concert might still be live. He decided, in that instant, to join her and pointed his bike in the direction of the Obsidian District. Before he said goodbye, Yuki told him he could sleep in tomorrow. Today had gone on much longer than planned, and they'd probably have the same schedule tomorrow and for the next few weeks. Felix accepted the offer graciously, bowed, then mounted his bike and rode back the way he came. Yuki waved goodbye, wished him all the best on the bike in these conditions, turned around, and then continued on east to Alabaster. She thought of possibilities. If it's not Nevin controlling that form, then what is? The minster? The moons? The ceremony? The, the timing? She told herself not to let her ideas get ahead of the data. But of all the variables, the hymnal was what she kept coming back to. It made little sense. If it was the hymnal, then every cathedral in the city would show the same phenomenon or something similar. Still, the assumption was worth checking, of course. Out of curiosity, Yuki began to sing the hymnal to herself in the quiet of the night. As she did, delicate flakes of snow fell and glistened with the light of the moons, the Saint Cecilia's light strongest of all. She looked up to the great moon and wondered what role she might play. It was her song after all, and it would not be the first time the moons influenced life on Nocturne. No diamond lights manifested for Yuki, but she continued to sing. Only her normal, cloudy songlight condensed and diffused in small wisps around her. Yet, each time the hymnal's final cadence crept up on her, she started over again. As she sang, she wondered how Nevin could ever be as sad as she first found him when he got to sing this 